In response to the less than perfect rollout of a legal recreational marijuana marketplace in New York, State Senator Jeremy Cooney, a Rochester Democrat who was recently tapped to lead the chamber's nascent subcommittee on cannabis, has introduced legislation designed to smooth out the transition that's been underway the last two plus years. And he joins us in the studio to discuss his proposal. Welcome back to the Capitol Press Room, Senator. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back. So your bill, according to the press release, is designed to address some of the quote-unquote urgent issues facing the marijuana marketplace in New York right now. So for starters, what are the urgent issues that need to be addressed? Well, I can tell you the number one thing we hear from industry leaders, advocates, community members, mayors of cities who are looking to learn what's happening with the adult use program is timeline and deadlines. There's a big confusion on when is it going to happen and it is a big word, right? It could be, when are we going to have full applications available for New Yorkers to apply for licensure? When are we going to have more product in the stores? When are we going to have a card dispensary open in the Finger Lakes region, where I'm from? All of these questions are kind of going unanswered. And so I want to commend the majority leader of the state Senate, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, for creating this cannabis subcommittee to allow us to really get deeper into those questions. What's the opportunity for thought leadership around policy, but what's the relationship between the state Senate and the Office of Cannabis Management so that we're providing information and resources both to the state agency, but also to the consumers and the New York market. So in highlighting the problems, you really highlight the fact that there are a lot of stakeholders involved here. And I want to begin to unpack how your bill begins to address all the different players. And first, I'm curious, the legal market has been slow in part to develop because of a a lawsuit that challenged the way the first batch of licenses for retail sellers has been doled out. How, if at all, does your legislation address this legal challenge? Absolutely. I think that's been one of the biggest frustrating factors for New Yorkers is when are we going to see actual stores open for people to walk in and purchase legal adult use cannabis products. And I can tell you, representing the greater Rochester region, we are the last region in the state of New York that has fallen underneath this lawsuit that is prohibited from opening what we're calling cards, Mm -hmm. conditional adult use retail dispensary, having a presence. So in the Rochester area, in the Finger Lakes region, you can't buy. But if you go down to New York City or in Hudson Valley or Long Island, there are a few card dispensaries open. I think that this bill that we've proposed helps to move that system forward by codifying the card program First of all, saying in law and in statute that we are permissive to have an adult use retail dispensary program. We did the same thing for uh, conditional licensure for cultivation and processing last year. Mm -hmm. So this is an opportunity to kind of cement the legality of the retail establishments. The other thing it does is it recognizes some of the challenges that our card licensees, those who are have their doors open now or who are working to get their doors open, some of the things that they need, which is access to funding. It's one thing to provide them a physical box to open a store. It's another thing for them to put having the funds to put product on the shelf, to hire people, to buy a delivery vehicle, et cetera. So that's a big challenge because of the banking challenges we have with the industry overall and that whole federal-state interplay. So this bill specifically tries to 
transition the market from the illicit sales that we're seeing across the state into the legal sales, making it easier for card dispensary owners to purchase product from the adult use conditional processors and cultivators, as well as creates dedicated social equity funding streams for card dispensary owners. And that's a big change because we don't have that right now. We have a priority for social equity, which is good. And that was the intention of the legislature when we passed the MRTA. But what about for the individual card licensors right now? What do we give to them? How do we help them open their door? How do we help them hire New Yorkers to do this work? So we created a, a dedicated fund in tax revenue to help support their efforts. Rewinding to the first part of that answer, the codification of the card process, is it your expectation that by codifying that program as opposed to just having it written into regulations that that would make the lawsuit moot and the areas that are now under an injunction would be able to see licenses handed out? I I think it's certainly helpful. The executive would tell you that their belief is that it already is codified, and so that's what they're litigating right now. I know the attorney general's office is working hard to take a look at this lawsuit and and litigate it and challenge the, the lawsuit's validity. Again, we've seen the lawsuit kind of start to fall apart because we've had a number of regions across the state be now open for for card dispensaries. Again, the Finger Lakes being the outlier because that was the first choice of the petitioner. So here we are going into June of 2023, years after we passed the MRTA. We've got to get these stores open. Otherwise, what I fear is going to happen is we're going to turn into the California market where the illicit market continues to grow stronger and stronger. And in the absence of a more nimble adult use legal market, the illicit market becomes the more accessible market, and therefore consumers just will continue to to support that versus the safety and social equity-focused programming of conditional adult-use retail dispensaries. And on that question of accessing funding, where would that money come from? Because when we think about the physical locations that card licensees were supposed to be given, these turnkey operations, the money for those is not materialized, the private sector money. So where do you envision money for capital to come from? Well, I'm still confident, and I've been having lots of conversations with our friends at OCM, that that there will be that capital dollars will be available. We put $50 million in as a legislature. They're raising an additional $150 million to get that social equity fund up. At some point. Uh, we'll see when that happens. Uh, you know, I know that they're working aggressively on that. I believe that it's not a resource issue on the capital side. I believe it's a resource issue on the operational side. They're not able to get traditional bank loans because of this, again, this federal relationship with a Schedule One drug. And so if they're not able to access funds through that traditional means, how are they, you know, again, beginning to start payroll? And again, we focus, and I give the Office of Candidates Management and the governor a lot of credit here by focusing and starting with an adult use retail dispensary program that focuses on those who had a past marijuana conviction. We are focusing and putting efforts on the black and brown community who we know were disproportionately impacted by the failed war on drugs. So we put them center. We're giving them the kind of the first in line approach here, which other states failed to do. But now we have to make sure that we deliver on our promise by making sure that they have the resources to be successful. Because the whole point of the conditional program was to give them the opportunity to be first to market. But if we're not allowing them to be successful in that, then we're going to have the full adult use retail dispensary license opening soon. 
and they're probably more well capitalized than some of these card dispensaries. So really, it's about supporting the program behind the scenes and making sure that they have the tools necessary to open their doors. Well, speaking of well-capitalized, prior to your bill coming out, regulations came out from state regulators dealing with medical marijuana companies and uh, accelerating their entry into the recreational marijuana marketplace from three years to one year, as well as making the license fee structure kind of more delayed in terms of payment. So considering those two pretty big steps that state regulators have already taken, what additional help, if any, do you think that medical marijuana companies need uh, right now in New York? Let me say this. We know that the medicinal program has not been successful as we originally had envisioned with the Compassionate Care Act. We know that their profits aren't high. We know that there are not a number of patients enrolled in the program because of some of the structural barriers that exist in New York versus other states. We did a press conference about this a few weeks ago. We talked about Florida having almost four times as many patients as New York does, despite obviously a population difference. The reason is we make it difficult to access the medical program. The licensure required to not only open the doors, but also for the patient to be able to get the product. The cost of the product. We have legislation separately from the bill that we were talking about before that would remove the tax because we don't, we don't tax Tylenol, right, when you're looking to find a healthcare-based product. If we're treating this like a, like a medicinal product to solve a medicinal issue or a healthcare issue, then we should treat it the same way for taxes. Meaning that if a doctor writes a prescription for medical cannabis, then the patient shouldn't have to pay a tax on top of that. Because we know in New York, with the federal government as well, they're not able to use their health insurance to get reimbursed for this pain treatment. So they're paying out of pocket, and now we're taxing on top of that. So that creates a barrier to access for a lot of patients. And these are patients who are already paying extraordinarily high medical bills because a lot of it's cancer treatment or epilepsy. So they already have a, a large medical bill in front of them. Why are we adding to it just to relieve their pain? So I believe that the strategy between medical and adult use recreational are different. We have to treat medical like the healthcare product that it is, and we have to treat the recreational program like any other recreational program that exists in the state. Are you concerned at all that the medical marijuana companies, when they do enter the recreational space, which is now happening sooner than originally planned, will be able to dwarf the so-called mom-and-pop retailers that we were talking about previously because they already have locations set up, because they already have growing capacity, and because they have access to finance? Their real advantage, if you will, is that they're vertically integrated. So they're able to do everything from cultivation to processing to packaging to sale, all in one. That is not permitted in the traditional adult use category because we wanted to create more economic opportunities for everyone. Uh, I actually don't think that their entrance into the market is a bad thing. I think that by opening them up to the market, we're allowing better access, not only for patients, but for New Yorkers overall. They do have a footprint across the state. Uh, I think that there's more than enough in this market for everyone to profit and to do well. My fear is that if we make it too hard to access legal products, the products that we want New Yorkers to be consuming because we're testing it and we know what's in the product, if we make it too difficult for them to access, they're going to turn to traditional mechanisms, which is that illicit market. We don't want more of these illegal stores popping up around the towns and villages and cities across the state, and we don't want the underground market to reemerge. So we have to make it more readily accessible for consumers. I do think that there are opportunities for the non-medical stores and providers to make a profit and to do well. But again, I think 
It's all about timing at this point. And there needs to be a balance. Our bill in this transitional moment between the adult use program and the conditional side and its full-blown side tries to regulate and kind of tries to walk the line, making sure that our card dispensaries are prioritized and get the first bite at the apple, but then allowing New Yorkers to go into the ROs or the medical providers and to be able to purchase limited amount of products as well. Again, with a way to stabilize the legal market versus the illicit market. Well, finally, your bill is fair to say a comprehensive response to the entire marijuana marketplace and comprehensive omnibus type bills are difficult (laughs) to move through Albany. So if you think about what is the one or two key essential things that has to get done in the marijuana marketplace between now and the scheduled end of the legislative session, what is it? Is it some sort of extension of conditional licenses? Is it something about the retail spaces? Is it the medical space? Where do you have to get something done before scheduled into the session. Smart public policy looks at the forest through the trees. Meaning well, luckily, we, we don't do a lot of that in Albany. <laughs> well, I mean, here's what I think. Consumers are looking for access, so we have to provide that access. But we also have to provide the, the product that they want to buy. We're at a time right now in a growing season where we recognize we have a limited amount of window to not only extend the adult use cultivator and processor licenses, which we need to do. By June 1st, right? By June 1st, we need to to get going on that. Uh, And our bill does that, by the way, Mm -hmm. but also needs to recognize the challenges of the retail side. So you can't look at one without looking at the other. And a lot of the pieces of legislation that are out there are very much focused on one industry cluster. We have to look at the overall ecosystem because it's all connected. And so I believe by prioritizing not only what we're seeing on the cultivator side, but also on the retail side, and then finding ways to increase the social equity dollars, which is what really drew a lot of legislative members to pass the MRTA bill in the first place. Right? We wanted to make sure social equity was a big component of that. We need to get dollars into those accounts. And the current structure right now will keep on delaying that process. Uh, our bill will put in approximately 40 plus million dollars by this summer. Uh, to be able to do that community reinvestment, which is so important and what so many communities like mine in Rochester have been waiting for for years. So again, it's about finding that delicate balance in the marketplace, but recognizing that we have to do stuff for our cultivators and on the retail side. Well, we've been speaking with State Senator Jeremy Cooney. He is a Rochester Democrat and chair of the Chamber Subcommittee on Cannabis. Senator Cooney, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.